0: for it were you waiting all week well there it is wherever you are whenever you are and however you happen to be listening we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to dlc especially if you are one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run we're going to be with you in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because dlc is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be and that is completely free, thanks to our sponsor this week, Squarespace. Squarespace! They're bringing the show to you, of course, the show all about games. And there are many forms, games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff kanata that's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who is so spicy... The Spice Man is spicing up uh, even even himself this week, right? Spice. I'm just so nervous about the Spice Man showing back up.
1: Well, let me just say, so I don't know if you watch baseball, but the Astros that they've gone on to the World Series, and but it was it was looking close there in Game Six, and mm-hmm. the, it was tied up. There were two outs, the bottom of the ninth, and uh, Jose Altuve was coming up to plate, and he he was a little lost. He didn't know what to do, mm-hmm. and so he called the Spice Man. He actually called the Spice Man from the dugout, and he said, "Spice Man, what do I do to win this game, mm-hmm. Game Six? Yeah, so we can have Cole start Game One." And the Spice Man was like, "Just
2: let it swing,
1: baby." And he did, uh-huh. and um, you know, the spiced Spice, it up. it's it, he spiced up the whole game, spiced up October baseball, spiced so up was, the whole Series, really. Yeah, really. And also, uh, Altuve sent him the ALCS MVP trophy, and is wow. now covered in pumpkin spice. So it's a win-win-win.
0: Is that why you? Is it your just your way of uh, of saying that the Spice Man now has a one eight hundred number that he can you can call anybody can call the Spice Man? Uh, yeah, for, it's just it's low, low just one eight hundred of... Spice Man. <laughs> but you have to dial it like that. Yeah, it's um, not easy, not easy. All yeah. right, uh, only a couple more episodes of October for the Spice Man to make an appearance. Oh, then... Spice Man's
1: just like Christmas, baby. <laughs> one spicier is the other one gets ready. <laughs>
0: What have we wrought? (laughs) All right. Uh, We got a lot to talk about. This is, it's not just spicy time of the year. It is gaming time of the year. We got, it's all the big stuff happening and there's big news. Usually this is the year, this is the time of year where there's big games coming out, but the news kind of settles down. No, no, no settling for the news. We got lots to talk about and we have an awesome guest to do it with. You know, the DLC always stands for your downloadable and your downloadable christian but this week i'm so excited because dlc stands for danish live commentary because direct from denmark right now we have games journalist Simon Rouligard, Simon, welcome.
2: Well, thank you so much, Jeff, and uh, thank you so much to Spice Man. I was really (laughs) looking forward if he was going to uh, to be joining us for this show. And I gotta say, like, I actually bought like a a spiced latte from uh, my local Starbucks last week just because (laughs) I was like, "What is all this spice about?" I gotta, I gotta have something uh, in my (laughs) mouth as well, you know. So, (laughs) yeah. So there's that.
0: He gets a kickback for every one of those. that (laughs) Actually, Actually, it's it's just just me
1: apologizing to people. So, Simon, I'm so sorry.
2: (laughs) Yeah, well, uh, it it wasn't that magic that I thought it would be, but uh, at least I
0: got to try it. So uh, thank you so much, guys. No, sorry. That's uh, that's actually the Spice Man motto is it's just not as magic as I thought it was going (laughs) to (laughs) be. All right, let's, uh, let's start the show the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the week it's the story of the week. King. Story of the week the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. And you can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com or by visiting our subreddit. That's five by five dlc.reddit.com. Really fun folks hanging out there in the uh, in the Reddit. I encourage you to join them. Part of the, be, be part of the commentary, be part of the community. But Simon, you are our guest. You get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? Yeah,
2: I actually think it's pretty difficult because uh, you also, I know, have some great stories, and I hope we can get to talk a little bit about all of them. But but at least what I what I wrote about this week was um, Kotaku's uh, investigation on Niantic and mm. the fact that they uh, apparently track people more than we we know. I know. I mean. Obviously we all know that when we play Pokemon go we get tracked in some way right but um and and uh, wizards unite but apparently it's like I think one guy was uh over two thousand four hundred times a day they like tracked his data and Kotaka was able to like uh, they you know it, it's because we have the thing in europe where you can actually ask a company to give them all the information you uh, they have on you so they like they mm-hmm. got that from 10 different uh european players and they could like tell specifically uh where they worked uh, where they lived uh where they ate you know how they they even like they uh they could see that a guy suddenly uh went to a, a pharmacy uh and they asked him about that so it's not that they're recording us necessarily, but it's it's the way they responded. First of all, it was like, "Wow, uh, uh, that's probably a, a mistake in the code and something." But I I don't really buy that, and I think it's it's kind of scary that we're in a place now where where they track us so much, but they at the same time they're not honest about it. Because and that and that I think that's that's pretty something.
0: Yeah, I I definitely agree, and I think this is a wonderful story to have your perspective on as someone in Europe, because you're right. Kotaku's article about this really very in-depth article about it, uh, about Niantic, especially uh, Pokemon Go and Wizards Unite, uh, two very, very popular games two I think, very exciting, cool, you know, uh, AR games where you're, you're going around the real world. People like the fact that you're going around the real world and you actually, you know, find things in the real world because you are tracked on your GPS but I don't think people realize, as you said, how often these games actually check in and record your location. And because, as you said, uh, Kotaku used a law in Europe that says that if a company tracks your data, you have the right to request that data and find out exactly what it is. I think that would be something that maybe a lot of Americans would appreciate having. Um, and they were able to get this data from European users, as you mentioned, and find out just the depth and breadth of what is tracked. And it's, it is startling mm-hmm. to see just how much data is there and how much is known about us from simply playing a game. Um, Simon, I'm curious, is this enough for you to not want to play games like this that are, you know, tracking your data, are, are using GPS to find out where you are in the world and then reporting that back to the publisher to the to the developer
2: i mean it's not that that that's the problem i think because uh i you know personally i like that the commercials i'm shown are something that i want to see or that's something that's relevant for me right now perhaps because that's what they're saying they're using it for right uh so when i'm buying the spice latte at starbucks I, i i don't know why perhaps i get a starbucks commercial i don't know but like that's okay that's fine with me as long as they are open about it and i think that's the whole problem and um, these guys also helped build Google Maps, right? And, and already, like back then, there was a lot of controversy um, about how they recorded, and, and even today, I think there is how the Google cars like take photos of everything, uh, also people's uh, numbers and stuff like that. And um, so, so that's you know, I've, I've I've interviewed people at Google, and also a couple of weeks ago, I interviewed uh, the the guys at, at Stadia, the game director there. And what I think is so disturbing is that every time you ask them about how does this thing track you? They just don't answer. They just uh, they just go out in a, in a completely different direction, and that's to me is the problem. Because if they were just like, yeah, of course we're tracking you, like this gives you the best experience, then we could talk about okay, I think that's weird, but but is this like, oh, that must be a mistake? But no, it's cl- listen, you you guys have the best coders probably in the world. Of course this is not a mistake, and that's the problem for me.
0: I, I find myself in that same boat of being conflicted because. I appreciate the benefits that I get the, the the gameplay of games like this, the benefit of having you know traffic reported to me live, mm. so I know how long it's going to take for me to get places with certain apps.
2: And at the same time, like Pokemon Go is, is it's an awesome game, and it's a way that I introduce my kid to the world of Pokemon. So uh, yeah. uh, that. That's also sad to take that away, right? But yeah, that that at least that was my my story. I think it's pretty important to people to know. Yeah, about. I
0: agree. And these and these companies are not just taking this data and using it in the game; they're recording it, they're selling it to other parties. Um, it, it is a lot of information about us that is you know they say it's anonymized and uh you know you're not your name isn't attached to anything but there's still a lot of that information there yeah. We're carrying around these gps devices in our pockets all the time it is a little worrisome about how just the depth and breadth of what is being recorded um christian i'm wondering how you feel about this i think
1: to me like the, the the best or and or worst part about the Kotaku article was the video they shared that was part of it that you know th- just linked uh, kind of talking about it but like an AR tracked future where it's this dystopic. dystopian oh, yeah the hyper
2: reality thing
1: yes which is not part of the story but just kind of a a black mirror look at what our hyper tracked AR future could be and you look at something like that and it wasn't hard for me to picture that becoming a reality in some form or fashion. So I, I, I'm kind of of two worlds. Where one, I agree with Simon, it, it's problematic, especially because we don't know. Um, but the other side to that is we do know. We don't want to know, and companies don't make it abundantly clear. But and former attorney, no longer attorney, blah blah blah. Like <laughs> I'm not a fan of Eula's, but I also don't know necessarily a better way to present that information and it was like it's a lot they have to say a lot of stuff it's long it's boring like imagine how annoyed most customers or consumers would be if they made you like they put all of that information into like two sentences that you had to push a on you know like reading like look up look yeah down, like that kind of walk through um And if they said it really big, like the way cigarettes are, it's like, this will kill you. If it said like, this is tracking all your data, we will know if you go to the pharmacy today. That seems too much.
0: The new iOS uh, update, I've noticed uh, a few times where it'll say, hey, by the way, Waze has checked in 14 times when you weren't using the app. Are you cool with that still? Do you want to change the settings? I think that is a version of what you're talking about. That sort of simple reminder, yes. like, Hey, absolutely doing stuff in the background. You don't know about, and I appreciate that. I don't yes. know if it said, Hey, Pokemon go has checked in 48 times in the last two days. I might be like, awesome. Did I get any new Pokemon? You know, <laughs> I, think, I don't know if that would be actually effective in communicating. Hey, your location data is being sold, <laughs> you know, I, I, what, I, don't, I don't know.
1: What I really like about the article, and I think it's just good to have people be aware of it, is the things that can be learned about you through randomized data, right? Or like anonymous yeah, data. Exactly. And I think it's important for consumers to know that and be aware of it. And then at some level, be okay with the trade-off of the good things that can come from it. Like you mentioned Waze, Jeff, or some, or even the fun of Pokemon. But just knowing the freedoms that we are giving up, because right now, I do think we are in a world where you can opt out of that, right? Like you don't have to exist off the grid in society to not use Waze or Pokemon Go. I think increasingly, it is going to be required to kind of engage, quote-unquote, with standard society that you can't really opt out of those things because everything uses it. But right now, as we're trying to figure all this stuff out, I think the more informed and aware consumers are of these things, the better. So that article is fantastic, and I'm glad we started here I think yeah, and I
2: also it. I I really think you like you you nail it, dear Christian, because um what what people usually say these days is that I I'm not doing anything uh, special, so I mean, of course they can record me. You know, who cares? But as you say, they can actually tell extremely much about you from what you consider being nothing really, just wondering about, right? And that's yeah. that's the place we need to discuss, really.
0: Yeah, yeah I think there's a, even a larger conversation, not just in gaming, but in, in this modern world of ours. We, I don't think we have reckoned as a society with deep data and how, yeah. how much uh, of that has changed the world. It's changed how ideas are communicated to us. It's changed how governments are run. It's changed mm-hmm. how sports teams decide who's in their lineup. It, it's changed every aspect of our society. I mean, it is wild how things are marketed, how things are brought brought to market, what is brought to market, all of that stuff. And it's just in the last 20 to 30 years. It's, it's a very, very recent development that we've had the ability to gather this kind of data mm. and to process this kind of data, and I think as human beings who believe they have, uh, you know, free will, and uh, that that they're beautiful flowers that are unique, to realize how easily, it, how easy it is to figure out trends and to influence how you behave based on this kind of information. Mm. we're gonna need to reckon with it as just a as a as a human species and i don't think we are
2: i just um i also talked to like a researcher at the the danish uh, university of like technology and he also said like what's specifically disturbing about games doing this is uh like you can get so much more specific data on people like okay google for instance like they have the search engine and they can pretty much map you off how you search but in games, like they can actually see how you react to stuff. They can see, you know, are you the aggressive type? Are you? They can get so much more different points of information about your personality, um, and so so that way, games are actually perhaps even more concerning when they're tracking you like this.
0: Yeah, and and they can market to that. They can exactly change you your. I mean, we're, we're getting to the point. Mobile games are at the forefront of this, but I think it's going to permeate every kind of interactive experience where the, as AI gets more sophisticated as well, the experience will will change, will evolve, will permeate to make you keep playing it, to, to continue mm-hmm. to, you know, are you not having fun right now? Well, maybe the game will change because it's understanding the data that it's receiving from you in real time and understands, oh, when, players behave like this. They're about to turn it off. Let's, Oh, you just got a cool drop in a role-playing game or something interesting just happened because we want to make sure we keep that dopamine going and make sure you don't turn it off or you don't go to do something else. I, I mean, it's like you said, Christian, it's a, it's a little black mirrory, It's a little dystopian and a little freaky, but it is certainly not outside the realm of imagination to consider the idea that this kind of, Data gathering, this kind of analysis of human behavior on a scale and scope that we've never seen before in human history, will have effects. How granular they can get about the decisions we make moment to moment. I don't. I don't know. There's no answers to this, but it's something we are going to reckon with.
1: And the other side of it as well. There's. I've mentioned it on here before. There's a, a book I really liked. It's called Invisible Women: Exposing Data Bias in a World Designed for Men. And I think something to be aware of as we talk about data and and deep mining for data and stuff like this is how the collection and study of data can still have bias to it. I think oftentimes people will look like, oh, well, the data says this. So it's just that. And that's what the data says. So it's objective. It's fair. It's not biased in any way, shape or form. But if the collection of it had bias or what you were studying wasn't broad enough, like you can still have large uh, reaching huge ramifications based on how the data is collected. And there's an example in, in the book that I'm briefly going to paraphrase of like, I think it was engineers in Japan. And in this hiring AI algorithm, you know, one of the things that it would kind of look for an applica- an applicants is whether or not how much time they spent on some like anime website or something like that. Because when they studied all of the engineers, that was something that like the best ones all did. But because there was a gender bias in hiring for the last 50 years, they're going to have that. Whereas those those websites showed scantily clad anime women. So the chance of a woman spending time on that. But then you just say, oh, well, the data says this. So two equal candidates, the person that looks at that website more shows past aptitude for, you know, it's just it's it's mind boggling in how horribly wrong we can get things because of how we collect it or collate it or, or, or sort it and then still just think well the data says this right it's easy to look at like baseball and be like oh well they shift because they never hit to the left yeah but also this is everyone's life so in this niantic article back to video games and this person who went to the pharmacy like while it ended up being nothing huge in that instance it's like if it was something huge that they didn't you know, want to be public, but then they apply for health insurance, but don't get it because of, you know, X, Y, this or their fifth cold of the year. And the data says that if you get five, I'm making this up, but like, if you get five colds in a year, you're more likely to get toe cancer. You know, like, it's just, it's, we, I don't think we can comprehend what we're doing yet. We are Jurassic parking things right now, right? Like (laughs) we're, we're doing and not questioning if we should do. And it's, it's scary and, incredible at the same time
0: yeah yeah and and as you said as you both pointed out video games are are at the forefront of it uh, behavior in entertainment and uh, our eagerness to give data especially you know for free we're getting free things Mm -hmm. in order and what we're giving up what we're paying is our data and um yeah i don't know how to feel about it to be quite honest with you because i love these cool games and i love the fact that they're giving them to me for free and i don't necessarily feel like i have anything to hide but also there's a problem with this and (laughs) and it's affecting all aspects of our lives All right, Uh, it's clearly a topic that we will return to many, many times uh, (laughs) down the road. But Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week?
1: So I'm going to pull a Jeff, because this this first one is just quick, and I need to mention it. And I want it so badly. And anyone at Analog, I've spent a lot of money on your website already. If you want to (laughs) find a way, I still want to pay for this. But if I can get one, uh, please let me know. The Analog announced their Game Boy, basically, uh, the Analog Pocket. And it is beautiful it plays game boy game boy color and game boy Advance games out of the box well t- um, tell
0: people what analog is first of all
1: so analog is a company that makes retro consoles but they do it off of fpga cores a uh, field programmable gate array so basically it's like a chip that you can program to act as kind of any other chip so instead of emulating games they did the um Like their Famicom was the first one, which I forget what it was called. And then the Mega SG is the Genesis one, which I have, and they did uh, Super uh, NES as well. And it's playing original games and uh, not emulating that original hardware. It plays it as if it's original hardware, but it allows you to put it on your, you know, your big, beautiful TV via HDMI. Um, And emulation
0: is basically software that allows a program written for one kind of hardware to be played on a different kind of hardware this is not that this is literally convincing the chip itself to behave as if it's a chip that was put in a in a 1985 console you know it is literally at the hardware level playing the roms as they were intended to be played and so you can actually plug real cartridges in from the era they work flawlessly and This is something very desirable for people like you, Christian, who are fanatical about emulation, about uh, playing old stuff.
1: Yeah, I would say not emulation, but trying to find the best way to play those old games. And then also just kind of collectors and and old folk. Uh, They're not one and the same, but both people. Um, And they also announced a dock so you can have your... Game Boy out to your big screen TV with wireless controllers, and this is like it's kind of the Game Boy Color design, but very clean and modern looking. Better screen um, than what was available back then, obviously. But just it's a hundred, think two hundred bucks, one ninety nine. It goes on sale at some point in twenty twenty. This is definitely a niche product, uh, you know, far and away. But if you are at all interested in kind of retro handheld gaming or have a library of GBA games sitting around. Also these things are usually jailbroken and you can run things off of SD cards. Um absolutely gorgeous. I'm this is the thing that I will spend my money on. <laughs> when- so tell me
0: tell me what So as somebody that appreciates the effort here, I kind of also feel like if you've got a whole bunch of GBA games sitting somewhere, don't you also have a GBA?
1: Yes. I I mean, I'm sitting right next to it. I have my SP folded right behind me. I brought it to E3 2018 and was playing. There's
0: there's something I I fundamentally understand the Genesis or Super Nintendo. Like they have, you know, old composite inputs. It's hard to hook them up to a modern television. You're not going to pull out your old CRT to play them. I get it. A new, a new box that plays those old cartridges that, Plugs into HDMI. I understand. I inherently understand the value there. This one baffles me a little bit because I don't understand. Either you have the Game Boy or you don't. Maybe your Game Boy is broken and it's hard to get a hold of another one. Okay, maybe, but. If you've got a bunch of Game Boy cartridges, don't you have the Game Boy? And wouldn't it be better to just play it on the original hardware?
1: No, this is a better screen. It's a better uh, gaming experience than it is on the old hardware. It has a battery, like a rechargeable battery, arguably better battery life. Um, The screen is also bigger, right? Yeah, the screen is is, is more vibrant and better um and and then but it it, yes uh, the short answer is no no one needs this right like i enjoy technology i love retro games the fact that this can play um my game boy game boy color game boy advance and then with a you know add-on slap in the back my game gear games and all my other portable games this is this is like to me personally i can only speak for myself this is like me buying the horizon zero dawn collector's edition Box with the statuette like totally unnecessary looking at the statuette of Aloy every day brings me great joy you know like there's mm-hmm. yes reasonably no reason Jeff no reason
0: <laughs> I, 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 I'm not trying to I, I'm happy for you and that I'm glad you're excited about this I just felt like this one to me feels a little different than the, than the things that plug into televisions. Cause it's like, it's a standalone thing. I get the, the, so the LCD screen of this uh, analog pocket device is a 1600 by 1440. They say 10 times that of the original Game Boy. So I get that. And it's also, you know, I remember, I'm sure everybody that had a, a Game Boy color remembers. If you walked out into the sunlight, you basically <laughs> can't play it. Uh, even in indoors, sometimes you had to hold it at a, a certain angle to see the colors correctly I get it. Uh, this is going to be a much, much better screen in that respect. So I'll eat my words a little bit. But
1: this one in particular also has an extra chip on it that is kind of open source. And so it it, it also has uh, SNES, full SNES button layout on it. So it will not take long, in my opinion, for this thing to also be able to play Genesis and Super Nintendo games mm. portably anywhere you go. And I think that's a big appeal of it. And I think like kind of the modern homebrew community is going to tweak this and have a lot of fun with it. And it's it it's um, I'm the person that still plays my 32x, you know, (laughs) like so. I think it's for that. It's for hobbyists and uh, retro enthusiasts. And then the other side of that coin is people with disposable income, right? Like I cannot recommend this product to people, but it is the thing that I am most excited for. In 2020,
0: it's not how they send you one, Krishna. But you don't, you don't, you don't want to have the pull quote of "I cannot recommend this." That's not how you get one. Sent <laughs> it, yeah.
2: but, but, but can't you? I mean, I mean, I was like seriously thinking about getting one for my kid because, uh, I mean, two hundred dollars—that's way less than an iPad, for example. Yeah. And I have a a bunch of old Game Boy games uh, laying at my parents' house, and I can't really find my Game Boy, and I don't really know if he's interested in that, like old tech. And, you know, right now he's totally digging the Switch and and uh, Link's Awakening and, uh, like, Mario Maker. So, and I'm like, I, I'm not giving him the Switch to school or his iPad to school because that's way too expensive for a six-year-old. You know, he's going to throw it somewhere or just lay it around. But, I mean, this is somewhat affordable compared to that. And, and I have a bunch of old games that I personally loved. Um, And it's portable, again, you know, I, I really think it's... Uh, it's a very nice thing. And I think we need more like, you know, I know that all the other portables died out because no one played them, but I think the switch shows that people still needs a portable playable device.
0: Yeah. I I think that's an excellent point about the $200 price point in comparison to a, uh, an iPad, which people buy iPads for their kids. That's very true.
2: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You just talked about it last week, right? Like how old is your kid? Like two or three or something? like yeah, yeah. So, and, and I mean, you know, kids just throw around with those things. And I, I bought one for mine as well, but it's it, – and it's also freaking expensive. So this is – I think is much more affordable. There you go, Christian. Now
0: you can justify it.
1: Well, no. Now they're yeah. going to send Simon one and I'm not – <laughs> I, I want to buy one, Analog. I want to buy one. I want to give you money. The story though, I think the biggest story – Are you not able thing.
0: to buy them yet? Wait. Are you not able to buy them no, yet? No, you're not able to buy them yet.
1: Oh. Okay. The, the, to me, uh, aside from Niantic and then – There's another one where they just keep being ostriches and just really messing things up. But I think the biggest story of like kind of future of gaming potentially for the next decade is what Riot Games showed at their 10th anniversary celebration stream where they put the S in Riot Games and announced a Counter-Strike meets uh, Overwatch kind of mashup. First-person shooter, the fighting game that has been much rumored after they um, acquired the studio from the Evo co-founder, um, a card game because you got to have one of those, a Diablo-style game because you know why if you're going to go after Blizzard you may as well go all the way, a um, uh, animated show I think as well because what let's go after uh, um, Magic the Gathering and also and then. They announced all of it, all with Project Code. Oh, an an um, esports management sim where you're playing as people that actually play League of Legends. And the little snippets they showed of all of these things looked phenomenal, like already pretty dang polished. But then they gave them all project letter names, and then they said, "We're going dark. You know, we'll see you again later." But just in terms of a live stream of of a coming out party. I think it was done so well and seemed to be hitting on all the major genres that are game right now, aside from maybe battle Royale, but it really felt like, you know, they're out blizzarding blizzard for the longest time. It was, Oh, blizzard does this because they did someone else did that. Now they're perfecting it. And this seems like riot games trying to further perfect what blizzard has perfected. I think this could be, huge i mean look at league of legends just absolutely huge for what the biggest games in the world are whenever these come out
0: yeah i don't think i have quite as positive a reaction to all of this i certainly am impressed certainly impressed that they decided to announce this in the way they did they they could have parsed all of this out and made each of these games their own special announcement They've clearly been working on this for a long, long time, and using the amount of the immense amount of capital that they've had from (laughs) League of Legends. Yeah, (laughs) you know, for a long time we've heard about them staffing up and working on things, and we heard that that Riot was going to be a major publisher of games, and we hadn't heard, you know, hide nor hair of any of them. Now, all of them in one moment for their tenth anniversary that's cool that's a that's a kind of a neat play, a fun moment it feels special it feels big it feels impactful but also, I came away from this just feeling like all of these just seem so generic to me because they are all hitting on exactly all of the genres that are of the moment and not using an uh, what I think is a real opportunity for Riot games because they were sitting on a fat stack of cash and able to reinvest, they could have done something more daring, more interesting, more innovative. They so could have what, what would actually that be what?
1: Like just I'm, I'm very much putting well, you on the spot, so I apologize. And Simon, the same question will come to you second, so you can think about it. Well, what would that be? Like the, what, what so would first it be? of all, I
0: think the e, the esports uh sim, is the most interesting thing that they talked about. Like, that to me is interesting. Like, yes, we have those kinds of games, those management sims uh, in, it, that are published, but I've never heard of one in the esports arena that sounds really interesting. and It, it leverages what they're known for in a really fun way. Like, I'll give us some, give them some credit for that. It's hard for me to talk about what I would want from them without referencing something I'm not supposed to talk about, but we'll talk later about the fact that Simon and I are both playing Death Stranding right now. But
1: these mm. games were, might be that. Don't get me wrong. I, they're, I am not they're not going
0: to be that. But they, they, are might, gonna, <laughs> they might surprise in a way. Just they are not going to be. No, they're definitely
2: not going to surprise anything. I, I, I think uh, Jeff is right here. I mean, it, it, I think what this shows is that it's actually pretty difficult to make new games if you have already been great at making a specific kind of game, right? That's why we we always see, like, game developers – tend to make the same games over and over again with, with different uh, feelings to it or stories. I mean, uh, it was impressive, like, the, the scope they're, they're putting out here. But at the same time, I'm on Jeff, like, it was pretty generic. And um, it seemed more interested in getting money off of their League of Legends property, to me at least, than to actually put something new out there.
0: Or, like, more interested in just covering all the bases, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's like... There's a list and we have to check all the boxes rather than actually doing something new. And exactly. again, we're not able to talk about Death Stranding at all, but it's new.
2: <laughs> it's
0: yeah. new. It is it is proof that there are untapped ideas in the world of games i'm just and I'm, I'm i'm surprised it's a possibility. you have the money you have the talent you have the time you have the luck, all the luxuries that are needed to actually innovate and actually do something interesting yes this is probably going to make a ton of money yes all of these are the genres that are free to play and this is clearly a free to play company yes these are proven things these are things that players tend to want but they're a dime a dozen Almost all of them are a dime a dozen. There's infinite options in all of these genres. And maybe they'll be special. Maybe they'll be particularly excellent, right? Overwatch, I think, is particularly excellent. And it also came out in a crowded field. Not free to play. True. But you know what I'm saying.
1: I, I don't. I, I'm honestly surprised. I'm, I'm honestly shocked that like this is your reaction to this. Because I'm not playing Death Stranding, so I can talk about whatever I'm going to talk about. Like, when that well, game was announced... When it was announced, it was like, what is this? Oh, it's a it's a third person oh Kojima making a third person stealth action game. Oh it's Kojima walking sim, because you you only see what you see. So like, are they making a first person shooter? Yes. Are they making uh a um Fighting game, yes. But to sit here and say like Marvel versus Capcom Infinite is the same game as Mortal Kombat 11, is the same game as Street Fighter 4, uh, is the same game as Dragon Ball Fighters with a capital Z at the end of Fighter. Like totally different. And if they're able to make a fighting game that is able to have a competitive scene the way that League of Legends does, or introduce a free to play fighting game that sure. monetizes in a way like League does, and has a
2: is. Sure. It, but I can
0: name you six six fighting games that have a competitive scene like League of Legends does, right? I, Evo, all the That's, games at Evo, Evo Smash Brothers, Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter, Tekken, like
1: are all sixty dollar box products that are that pale in comparison to one tenth of the audience of League of Legends tournament.
0: Okay, so so you're saying scale and market or, or, and price point are where they would innovate. That's I'm, cool. That's no, cool. I'm, I'm not but saying I'm, that. I'm, I'm saying, saying that like you a- had the opportunity. Riot had the opportunity because they could do anything. They had all the money in the world. They had no pressure on them to put this all out. And I think the fact that they announced all these at the same time makes me feel like none of them are special none of them are special they're just like yeah look we got one of all the ones you want do you want do you want chocolate and vanilla and strawberry yeah we got all of those that's like saying you want-
1: titanfall 2 wasn't special because it was just another first person shooter or controls not special because it's a third person shooter i don't know like until we see more of these games and get to play them and i'm happy to be wrong and have them be very trite derivative games but
0: if, I will- if respawn was like hey we're about to announce uh, our new game. It's Titanfall 2, and we have Titanfall 2, the card game, and Titanfall 2, the fighting game, and Titanfall 2, You'd be like, oh, okay. So they're all... It, In the universe I it, love. The messaging, the messaging is, yeah, we've got that. Not, hey, these are going to be really special. See, I, and I, I, I want to be wrong. I want to be wrong, but that's that's how I read this announcement, which is what we're talking about.
1: God, I watched it and and I watched I mean it's obviously well produced, but I feel like the developers talking about the passion they're bringing to these projects, it doesn't feel samey to me. And and I also feel like you're being unfair to them with like your fandom of or prior fandom perhaps of Blizzard, where like Heroes of the Storm was a totally we got that. Overwatch was a totally we got that. Them trying to do StarCraft Ghost was we can do that. Um it, it, but those were properties and IPs that you were fans of. So you were got very excited when you saw those things. And I think until these games come out, I'm I'm just surprised you're taking a, a pessimistic view for something we know so little about. I feel well, like I that's think what the that spice if, man's supposed to do.
0: If you took if you took <laughs> a time machine back, and maybe somebody will dig up the episode and prove me wrong, I don't think they will. If you take a time machine back to BlizzCon, whatever it was, when they announced Overwatch, I think you'll find me saying I was very disappointed by that because what they had talked about doing was this thing called Project Titan, which was going to be this genre-shattering, crazy game. Of, you get housing, and you, well, all the stuff we heard about Project Titan was that it was going to be just bonkers. It was going to be this new MMO-type experience that is just going to and from the from the ashes of that rose overwatch that that team destroyed that project they took a lot of the art and assets and built overwatch instead and i was super disappointed by that i wasn't excited about overwatch i think overwatch is a great game and maybe riot makes a bunch of great games here and and maybe they'll all be excellent games i don't think any of them is going to be something that pushes the industry forward and i think they could have i think league of legends pushed the industry forward i think they could have done something really special and tried to create something new and different and and maybe one of these games will be that maybe i'll be wrong but it just doesn't feel like that's the approach that they took that's the strategy that they're presenting what they're presenting is like we got one of all of those don't worry about it
1: yeah Um, i uh i disagree I'm, I'm i'm excited but simon it seems like you kind of uh are more in line with Jeff here. no it's it's it, i i just
2: i i, I think it's funny because like uh um it's in some ways you can like you can compare this to like when marvel go out and say wow this is this is phase four this is the text then this is the 10 next movies we're going to make over the next decade right and everyone like loses their minds wow they got a superhero movie with a girl Wow, well, they got a superhero movie with a the team they got a superhero, you know and uh and we all dig that but like here you have like and i, I you know i i kind of get the same feeling that jeff has like if any of these games were really special why why did they have to compile them all in this one one showing but like at the same time i mean league of legends show that they're capable of excelling in a field that is already dense with like the same games right so i mean hopefully for them they will all succeed but um i just you know when you look at other game developers again they tend not to to make so many different things so that's why i'm i'm not pessimistic but i'm just i i'm i'm very doubtful that they can pull it all off that's all
0: well again I hope I'm wrong I hope that these games are all really really special uh, and that this was just a a fun way for them to you know drop the mic by showing all these projects at once but I think that
1: I think it was it was a 10 year blowout because then they said we're going dark on all of them again I really think it was like this is for our fans this is for our communities we're hmm. right games 10 years here we go
0: well we i mean several of them are slated for 2020 so they're not gonna go dark that I mean, most of these are 2020.
2: No, I was surprised by that as well. That's pretty early. If they say like, we're going dark, then okay, you're going dark. What three months and then you're back
0: yeah, on or what? I don't know. I mean, maybe it's That's holiday 2020, so maybe maybe be they six meant six months of dark. But
1: maybe they meant we're going dark because they're in California and, and fire season, so maybe <laughs> the power is <laughs> <the power's laughs> getting cut, cut off.
0: Go so dark. <laughs> uh, all right, um, man. I don't. We just talked about Blizzard, so let's just dive in. Uh, the, the story that won't die is this um, Blizzard PR mess and the, the banning of, um, of uh, Blitzchung, the, the Hearthstone Grandmaster, which we've talk, we talked about last week and got into it uh, pretty heavily, but it is not going away. In fact, Blizzard continues to ban people for bringing up Hong Kong uh, on streams. And now I think the most shocking to me uh, thing to come out of this is that it has become such a story that politicians in the United States have felt that they needed to weigh in. And a bipartisan letter, nothing happens bipartisan in in the United States these days, but it was a bipartisan (laughs) letter co-signed by Ron Wyden, Democrat and Mark Rubio. Republican, as well as uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez and uh, Mike Gallagher and others, basically condemning Blizzard for their stance on this, for the ban and subsequent statement. Um, Some of the actual verbiage in this letter from U.S. politicians, real senators from the United States. Uh, said we want to express our deep concern about Activision Blizzard's decision to, for- to make a player forfeit prize money and ban them from participating in tournaments. That's them weighing in directly on eSports, which is just crazy to me. Uh, they say because your company is such a pillar of the gaming industry, your disappointing decision could have a chilling effect on gamers who seek to use their platform to promote human rights and basic freedoms. Wow. Uh, As China amplifies its campaign of intimidation, you and your company must decide whether to look beyond the bottom line and promote American values like freedom of speech and thought, or to give into Beijing's demands in order to preserve market access. I mean that's it right there in black and white. That's the thing that we all feel like they've been doing, and <laughs> the uh, U.S. Senate seems to agree. Uh, Simon, as someone looking at us from you know a, 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 over there in Europe, how do you what do you think about all this?
2: I'm, I'm so glad that I came on for this episode. And when I saw this story, we're on for this week because um, I actually disagreed pretty much with Christian last week, even though I know that. Yeah, and, and this is weird because l- let me put this out. First of all, uh, I'm not into the whole thing going on in Hong Kong, so, so it's not like I'm, I'm on China's side. But at the same time, I can't help but feel that it was the wrong place for Blitzchunk to say uh, these things. Why? Because, like, typically in sports, um, and I mean, we see it all the time in, in European soccer, especially, like, they're very strict on the thing that we don't uh, show political or religious things during uh, the sports events. Because you know, sports is um, a place where we can meet and lay all those politics and religion uh, conflicts aside, and then play sports. That's kind of the essence. And we just recently had, um, like, uh, the UEFA, who controls like the European Championship qualification stuff right now, is is uh, is um, considering how to uh, to to. Uh, to find the Turkish national soccer team because they did a military salute after uh, a couple of games they played last week. And uh, if you know, like Turkey has just like invaded Syria or went into Syria with like full military force. And I mean, we can all agree like, wow, that, and this is probably special because many Europeans will say, wow, Turkey shouldn't have gone into Syria. So therefore we should hit, uh, hit them hard if they try to in any way um, make that a great thing when we play soccer, but but then you have to make the same thing when the opposite happened. I mean, Blitzhung, if he's such a big player, he could have said this in so many ways that wouldn't have been in the in the sports event itself, and I mean. It's horrible, and I think what's the problem here is really the way Blizzard handled the stuff because it took so long for them to respond. You know, if they had gone out right from the gates saying, uh, we got to ban you because we have these rules, I don't think the the whole thing would have blown up the way it did. But because they took so long time responding, you can't help but think that China is some way involved. You know, and, and I also think that, you know, you see a lot of American politicians taking, you know, it is almost 2020. It is almost a new uh, election year. You know, Trump got on Twitch uh, a couple of weeks ago. I think this also speaks to the fact that um, these players are also a segment that they don't usually reach. So by doing this, they'll probably get um, a lot of attention from from players as well. But but yeah, that that's my opinion, and it's not that I say that Blitzchung is wrong. And and obviously, Blizzard... Didn't handle this very well, I think we can say, and I'm surprised that they keep messing up like this. Um, but but I think actually that uh, that it's the right thing to separate politics
0: and games. Well, I I can agree with you that Blizzard handled it poorly. Uh, I I strongly disagree uh, that there is a way to separate politics and games, and moreover that that even should be an ideal because everything is inherently political. Uh, I, I'm sorry to say that. I know... I,
2: no, of, no, you're, you're, you're true. You're, I mean, well, you're right. It's not I get that plenty not of right.
0: emails from people saying, get politics out of your gaming podcast. I go to games to escape, and I don't want to hear about politics. Fine. You can feel that way. But banning a player who speaks out is a political act. It is making a statement. You are silencing a very specific... Sentiment, And what Blizzard should do, I believe, could have done and should do, in my opinion, is look at the substance of what was said and say, does that sentiment jibe with our values, our company, our stated company values, American values? We are an American company. Does this, does this sentiment stand for what we stand for? Is it something that we can feel good about? And if the person saying something does not, then by all means ban them, punish them. But if it does, if they are actually supporting the kinds of causes and the kinds of things that you as a company claim to support as well, then you allow that to happen. You could talk to the player privately and say, hey, we don't want to stir up this kind of thing, whatever you want to do, but you don't make an example of them and punish them because there is no way to be impartial. If the goal is to be impartial and somehow stay out of politics, then that is a fool's errand. And they failed spectacularly because the, the act of banning it, banning the player is a political statement. You are not shutting down. You are not shutting down commentary by shutting down the player. You are sparking commentary as we've seen and, and it
2: is, yeah, of course. And but I think like the problem here is really that we ha- we are in a place in in like gaming history where um, it is Blizzard that's that's in charge of the sports event, right? Like in so many other sports events, it's like uh, big uh, unions of all kinds of things, and there's like um, uh, a larger uh, committee or something that that stands for making all the rules and and doing all that but you're totally right because blizzard is still an american company and not some uh esports uh union then of course they have some sort of um, obligation and responsibility but i think that's really like the problem that on one hand we have a a a kind of sport and a new kind of sport that's that's developed very rapidly like the last couple of years right and and at the same time, they are all handled by private, uh, you know, commercial companies, and uh, and they have conflicts that are perhaps not beneficial for the esports as a whole uh, compared to if, if if it was more like objective. And again, you know, I'm not I'm not arguing that Chung is wrong or that Blizzard didn't handle it right. I just think it's a, it's an interest, uh, interesting discussion talking about sports and how you put, and how you like message politics or religion for that.
0: Well, I think, I think you've hit on exactly what this event exposed, which is their conflict of interest. And what this letter from the U S senators is explicitly pointing out and accusing them of is valuing their access to that market over supporting a supporting democracy. And, I happen to agree. I happen to agree. That's exactly what seems to be transparently taking place. Now, Blizzard has specifically said, that's not what happened. I don't buy it. I believe that is exactly what happened. And it's bolstered by the view of these politicians. And, you know, believe what you will about US politicians right now. It's not, they don't exactly (laughs) garner a lot of, uh, (laughs) a lot of confidence, but uh, you know I, I I happen to agree with this letter it's it's really it really seems to be transparently about the bottom line and not even what you say or, or about you know upholding the rules or trying to stay impartial or trying to stay you know absent the political discourse. I don't think that's even what they were attempting to do. I think they were attempting to not ruffle the feathers of the hand that feeds them to mix my metaphors but <laughs> you know and and that's what's so discouraging christian you've you've we've talked over you so what please uh weigh in here i mean
1: i I think my thoughts at this point are well, i agree with simon uh broadly that yes league has control to dictate you know what gets said uh within th- their spaces um kind of like if I showed up to work and I cussed out uh my boss. Like my work can say, y- "Bye, <laughs> you can't do that here." Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, under- I understand that. But also, the other side of that is the people then get to react back at that company for what they did. So is Blizzard legally in the right doing what they did to Blitzchung? It seems like a hundred percent, a million percent, yes. M- you know, morally or objectively, is it the right policy? You can kind of debate around the gray areas there all you want, um, but the idea of maybe keeping sport out, or religion or politics out of entertainment or out like sports, stuff like that, um, I, I think it's difficult to do and has always been included. The difference is whether or not it's something that we agree with or something we don't agree with. Whereas, you know, sport starts here in America with the national anthem being played beforehand, Colin Kaepernick taking a knee players, you know, taking a knee and, and what that means. And I think the leagues then have can, can point to their policies and say, you're not allowed to do that, or you have to be out on the field during the national anthem. And then the consumers, if you want to call us all that, get to react appropriately. And, and I think see how much that matters to them. And it, it seems as if, and it's a, a side that I am agreeing with at the moment, um, that Blizzard is reaping what they sowed in in, in this instance where they reacted in a way that they were allowed to do under their employment contract, for lack of a better term, with a player in their league. And people are saying, that sucks. You suck. This is an awful thing. And we're going to tell you how we feel about it. And now Blizzard has continually in my opinion made pr mistake after pr mistake after pr mistake and how they handle it and address it and they have to be willing to weather that to wade in in, a, in, in something like this they seem to be willing to they seem
0: to be willing to <laughs>
2: especially after banning like the 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 american university students right because I was like okay this this is just stupid this is just <laughs> yeah, stupid like uh, banning them so as well because well. yeah. uh you, you know that this is, you know you can talk about okay maybe Bleach chung in an uh, interview that was uh, m- you know made by them and all that so you know you can take my argument right but but banning those students were just like why <laughs> this is just like you like blindly running around trying to figure out how to
0: make this mess better yeah it doesn't seem like it's a story that's going away. Um, <laughs> no, I don't know. Bl- BlizzCon
1: th- came and went pretty uneventful. Diablo Four was announced. Yeah. We were excited about it, and we that's all see. there was.
0: We shall see. Um, we are going way long on the on the news, but it's been fascinating Sorry. discussion. No, no, please well, do not. I mean, the
1: good news is, me. while I am not playing Death Stranding, a lot of us are playing games that are embargoed
0: still <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's true. And uh, I blame Christian who used two stories. Thank you. So, I d- 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 don't play. Blame-
1: <laughs> me. that was spice
0: oh, the spice man i knew it but i do need to thank our sponsor uh talk about the hand that feeds my goodness i have to thank our sponsor squarespace they've been the hand that feeds me for 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 a decade and i'm so grateful to them for that the reason is that i'm genuinely thrilled to endorse squarespace it's something i have used for a long long time Jeffcanada.com built Housed on Squarespace, updated on Squarespace all the time. It is my favorite, the only way I make a website. It's the only way I tell my family and friends to make a website. It's the way to make a website. You don't have to pay someone, you don't have to hire a designer for lots of dollars. You can use Squarespace and make it yourself, make it beautiful, make it yourself because the tools are so simple. Let's face it. Everybody's going to need a website at some point. You got all kinds of things that you might need, whether it is blogging or publishing content, showcasing your work in some way, turning a cool new idea into a new website, selling things, products or services of all kinds, even just promoting your physical business. You need a website. You can build one yourself with the tools on Squarespace so simply, so easily And there's never anything to upgrade or patch ever. It's all handled for you. You've got free and secure hosting. You've got built-in search engine optimization and analytics to help you grow your business in real time. You can customize things with just a click of a mouse button. It's so simple. Also, you get to build it for free. You don't even have to enter a, a credit card to start using the tools. Just build your website. Make sure you like it before you pay them a dime. And guess what? When you do pay them a dime, we're going to help you pay less than a dime. 10% we give you off. If you go over to squarespace.com slash JeffSentMe, get yourself that free trial, build your website. Then when you're ready to launch, use the offer code Jeff JeffSentMe, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E. Save yourself 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. And let Squarespace know it's a good idea to keep supporting DLC. We appreciate it. Squarespace.com slash JeffSentMe. And then that promo code Jeff sent me at checkout. Make it yourself. Make it beautiful. All right. Juicy, juicy games to talk about. Yes, many of them are embargoed. (laughs) But uh, Simon, what is on your playlist this week?
2: Yeah. So, um, yeah, I believe I've been playing Death Stranding, as you say, or or I can say that I have it. I think that's what the embargo well, read, right? It yeah. uh, but but uh, and I'm not going to talk about the game specifically because then uh, I'll probably get assassinated by by Solid Snake or something. But but what I will say and what I think is actually interesting and what made me think is um, the whole press about Death Stranding. Like it has been very vague and very ambiguous, and, and people have been trying to find out what the game is really about, right? And usually when I set my eyes on a new game that I, I'm probably going to play, I devour everything about it. Like, I, I read everything, I, I watch everything, like, uh, you know, everything I can get my, my hands on. And and I couldn't with Death Stranding. So uh, I know, Jeff, you, uh, in the movie, in the world of movies, you're, you're an unsolid, right? You don't watch trailers for anything before you go That's in. That's right, yeah. And, and normally I... Uh, you know, I'm I'm not that as as I probably just told. Um, but that's usually because like I I love the 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 technical uh ways to to build stories so much that that if I know everything that happens before I go in, I can kind of notice all the details that that makes that. And and because I couldn't in death training, I just I think I will try this with more games. Actually, like you know, try to be. Try to be sure and like. Okay, if PlayStation made this game an exclusive, it's probably good. I probably I, I should I shouldn't read so much about it and just go in blind and have that totally fresh experience. And that was really special, um, actually. And I, I would just recommend that actually to people to try that at least once.
0: Um, so you're a convert. You're you're gonna go unsullied now.
2: Yeah, I think I am. Maybe yeah. Yeah, it's quite it. a big thing. actually. Yeah, yeah,
0: um, yeah that's a big deal. And, and you're right. It's a uh, it's a um it's a magical thing and games. I don't do it quite as much, but you know, I really, I think there are certain games where that is rewarded, where there are surprises to be revealed. There are the way the game unfolds itself. Generally, not this one specifically, but I'm saying there are some games that that actually can be, you know, there are other games where it doesn't really matter um, because it's more about the mechanic, you know, of course, there are plenty of games where I would, would, Happily watch a stream and then could still get a joy out of it because the doing is where you get the joy, not not the. No, surprise. but perhaps
2: like these extreme narrative driven games, like uh, and all of a sudden, like a small moment that you have perhaps watched, if you hadn't like watched it over and over again in different trailers, that moment that could seem like nothing suddenly becomes something when it's the first time you're experiencing, uh, yeah. and that was that was kind of nice. Uh, yeah. But 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 what I really have been playing is like. I wrote a large piece on female representation in video games uh for this Saturday. So I've obviously played a lot of female driven games um and I just uh want to talk briefly about like specifically uh like a small Danish one because I think like now I should like talk about them right. And I actually played this for the first time um it's called Forgotten Anne and that's mm. forgo- forgotten with an o in the end and don't ask me why um but uh, <laughs> No, no, it isn't. I actually talked to the developer at some point and I don't know really why. But anyway, it's, um, and I also thought that you guys would actually dig this game really much because it's, um, it's a side scrolling puzzle adventure kind of thing. Uh, it's very narrative driven. And, and what's especially cool about it is that it's, uh, everything is hand drawn, um, hand drawn animation, like think Cuphead, but just replaced with, um, with anime, like with, with mm. Japanese art style. So it's very gorgeous looking, like the backgrounds are all like, uh, watercolor, just like a Miyazaki movie or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's very beautiful. Um, and it's this very small, very weird story of, of this girl, Anne, who lives in the world of the Forgotlings, uh, which is basically, uh, another realm where everything the human world forgets end up there. So, like, imagine your socks, that's gone in the laundry. They live here and have a life and, uh, <laughs> uh, and a work and stuff like that. And uh, there are only two people in this world, and that's Anne, who you play as, and then uh, her surrogate father, uh, Master Banku. And Master Banku has tried his whole life to build a bridge back to the human world. And, um, and then something happens, and, and Anne tries to, to figure out what is actually going on with that whole bridge project. Uh, so so basically, it's just like yeah, a puzzle game. You run around in this weird and funny and very warm world, uh, talking to things that have been forgotten, and trying to find cool. out how you how you got, you know, who forgot you. Like why don't you have a family and stuff like that? And it's very beautiful and it's very small and it's in, in very deep as well. So, um, and you know, you can always talk about whether it sticks the landing, but but I think like. Because of the low price point and all that, I think it's out on all platforms. It's it's very, it's a very nice little thing to play. So, uh, so.
0: yeah, I'm looking at a video of it now. You're right; it is a very very pretty game. Yeah, you have the anime look to it. Um, um, very very pretty. It's a game I had not heard of. Forgotten. Yeah, I forgot exactly. <laughs> to... I guess well. I mean, if you know that that's how it's spelled, I put forgotten, and it was the first thing that came up in Google. So. Uh, yeah, and I don't think
2: I don't think it's that expensive. So you know, I'll definitely if people are into like side scrolling things and, and a lot a light, warm hearted story, this is this is definitely it.
0: I've told this story many many times, but I'll say it one more time. Uh, I remember when I was younger and uh, bought the 3DO <laughs> console. <laughs> it came with a compact disc that had an episode of Batman the animated series on it. And I remember putting that disc in my 3DO and watching an episode of Batman: The Animated Series, and saying to myself, my young self, full of dreams and ideals, saying to myself, someday video games are going to look like Batman: The Animated Series. I'll be able to <laughs> video that looks that good, and here we are, uh, however many years later, where I can looking at a game like Forgotten Anne that looks exactly like you play a cartoon. Yeah,
2: exactly. It like yeah, it really does. does.
0: Yeah very cool. So uh, yeah. what else what
2: else? Playing? Uh, well uh, I've been playing control. Again it's a female driven but just because you know I'm surprised that that game can keep giving me like what the f moments. Um yeah. you know I am so surprised cuz at first I was actually quite annoyed with this game. I thought it, it took too long to to give me superpowers and um, I don't know why but now you know I've played through it and for some reason I just I just keep coming back and I I keep finding new weird places and um, and boss fights, uh, all of a sudden, I think that that game is so um, it's so good at at having uh, other content than the main story, but but not just like uh, collecting stuff. Like there's always like that there's real encounters with like real real enemies that have that you can see have taken serious time to develop. So that that's so funny. It just I'm a superhero now. So that's
0: <laughs> that's also well, my. My promise to Christian is that I will play this game before the end of the year. Uh, yeah, you it, definitely it should. It came out during my eye problems. Oh, so yeah, I that's right. not played a single second of it yet, but I'm really looking forward to it based on everyone's massive positive feelings about but,
2: it but i mean of course there's also a lot of like yeah. remedy stuff like i love remedy games but sometimes their storytelling is a bit clunky and there's also that in this game but but i really think they nailed the the controls on this one and and the then controlling I, control. yeah the controlling the, the controlling of the game like the gameplay is is, is perfect i think especially compared yeah. to the the other titles and then i want to talk to, about because i'm not playing it i haven't played it this week but i have in my dreams at least um the <laughs> the, the last of us part two one that that you got to play as well jeff and i want to talk about it because you weren't very uh you weren't negative but you were not as positive as as i were and i you know i think that um what i you know i've, I've been trying to think about what that game at least from what you and i saw and tried did so right and I think what they've nailed this time it seems is that they've actually uh, you know the feeling they want me to get I get oh. that from the gameplay now and not from from everything else I think in the first game uh, the what was so special about it was how it made you feel right that was kind of the thing with The Last of Us and mm-hmm. that was very often made through dialogue through music through the setting but if you like, if you cut all that away, the the combat, especially like the gunplay, wasn't really that exciting. And I mean, I played through that game I think six times now, and wow. and but it's not exciting anymore. I mean, I, I don't get the same thrills anymore because now I know, you know, I can go through the whole game with just a brick. Because <laughs> so, so, so there is no tension in the combat in sel- uh, itself. And I think what they really nailed this time is because the new combat system is so dynamic. I really felt like the tension were in the combat situation and not the setting of it. And I think that's, that's quite something. I don't know if you can agree yeah. on that.
0: No, I certainly agree on that. I, I, I think that just me personally, that's not what I go to games for. I'm discovering that more as I get older. Um, and I don't know, I I'm not confident that that's a positive thing about my my character about my personality <laughs> uh, that, that I like more. I enjoy the feeling of being powerful and um, in control and able to explore without, without feeling that tension. Uh, that is something that I much more appreciate. I love a game like Assassin's Creed Odyssey, where I have this big, beautiful world waiting for me and I can be the most powerful thing in it uh, and get more powerful as the game pro- progresses rather than feeling always scared and I was thinking about that a lot this week. Actually, I, I I like games where I have lots of options about cool stuff to do, mm. not not as much games where I'm just trying to mitigate the bad stuff as much as possible. No,
2: I I really think uh, what's funny about what you're saying here is like I talked to like a, uh, a Danish professor who like who looks at female representation or just representation of society in general, and what I think is so funny about the way you look at stuff is. Typically, like games have been, like uh, people have seen games like as a software. It's something that has to do something for you, and you know you see it all the time. That's why people demanded like stuff like a uh, WoW Classic. Like th- you have to make stuff for me because it's the software, and that that's what software do. But I think what Naughty Dog is really trying to do is like look at their games like an art, almost like you would never tell uh you would never tell Quentin Tarantino like you make me this game you just you know make me this film like he makes a film and then you take it in and sometimes it's horrible and sometimes it's funny and sometimes it it has all these things and I I think you're very right that this wasn't (laughs) pleasant to play at all it was very tense um but but that I think that has a, a very special quality especially in the realm of games actually
0: I don't disagree with any of that. I, I, I mean, I definitely know people that feel that way about movies. In fact, I remember <laughs> dating someone whose parents felt that way. And I just used to look down on them. So snobbishly. <laughs> so I was such a snob about it in my, you know, my early twenties thinking, Oh God, you only want to go to movies that make you feel good. How narrow minded that must be for you. And now as I'm getting older going, man, I, Life is hard.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, no, to. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Like, and the world that uh, you, you suddenly realize what the world really is. And then, you, you know, maybe I yeah. can just
0: play something funny over here and it will all go away. Right, right. Um, but that's, you know, that's interesting. And, and I do think that the first Last of Us certainly is a piece of art. And it certainly seems to be the case with the second one, that that is at least a goal. Uh, we we yet to find out how well of course, it achieves it. But I'm, you know, very confident that that team will pull it off again. Um, and then I want to ask you, just, Jeff,
2: Jeff, do you think we played it on a PS5? Because that was my you know, I, very, I worried so much about that because you weren't able to see because wh- you said it as well, like last time, the, the load times were like instantly you were back in the game, right? And, uh, yeah. and I was like, wow, this is quick. And when you see, it seems like they're almost like ray tracing stuff in here as well. And I was like, what is going on here? Is this?
0: I would be very surprised if they they peopled that event with, with, you know, that kind of hardware. And maybe it was on PCs, maybe they were on powerful PCs, but I would be very surprised. It was
2: so good that I almost thought this, this can't be on a PS4.
0: It was, it was shocking the, the load times from a save. And I was, that is something that I am ready to be just normal. I'm ready for, I'm ready to completely forget. Exactly the feeling of waiting for a load time yeah like let that be something that i just can't remember anymore the way i can't remember you know dialing up a modem or <laughs> whatever <laughs> so, like, exactly. let those things just seem so old-fashioned uh, i'm ready for that to just go away but yeah um all right wow that's awesome very very cool games and where can people find your the the article you mentioned about um, women in games female representation in games is it that's written in danish It's written
2: in Danish yeah so uh hey learn Danish and then you can read this awesome article uh no listen I, I've actually thought about because uh some guys have asked me um if I put it up in so if I put it up in english sometimes I will um I will let you guys know you can perhaps link to it somewhere but um but right Sounds now good. it's only in Danish yeah.
0: Christian Spicer, I know you have been playing some embargoed things that we still can't talk about either. It's that time of year. Yeah, well,
1: I can say this um, on IGN.com. It says that uh, the embargo for the Outer Worlds uh, at 6 a.m. October
0: 22nd. Um, Our show comes out at a weird time. <laughs> yeah, our show comes out at an unfortunate time for that particular embargo. <laughs> but and, next uh, week's show will moment. be, uh, you know next week
1: <laughs> to <The> respect <laughs> right. embargoes yes. in all
0: ways possible Well, and we're very excited i mean outer worlds was our game of e3 yes. and as a show so we are very highly anticipating that game i will have a quick and, hit uh, tweet
1: when i'm allowed to and then an in-depth conversation on next week's show i you and i talked a little recently, bit about like do we wait until tuesday to do this but yeah then you're, we're always stuck in that. There's never a good day, every day.
2: No, and listen, <laughs> I, I really think like, I really want to kind of salute you guys for actually, you know, sticking to the Sunday because I know that oftentimes you say, wow, like last Monday, all the news came out and we weren't <laughs> able to talk about it. But, <laughs> but at the same time, I mean, we have news today are so fast and so quick. And, and I personally love a lot more like, when the news like had a week to settle, and perhaps someone weighed in on it, and and discussion has become a different one than just the news in and of itself, and I think that's that's actually a quality. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you. I appreciate that very, very much, um, Christian. What have you been?
1: playing? Yeah. So I will start with um, Gears Five via Project X Cloud, which I got in, invited to their beta, and that right now there's only a select handful of games that you can play um through the beta i'm playing on um a pixel android work phone my so i tweeted out like just played gears 5 picked up right where i left off on an android using a playstation 4 controller connected wirelessly like the video games are weird and then someone replied like tweeted from ios and i was like yes uh <laughs> you got me yes my main phone is an <laughs> iphone i have an android at work no big deal um so at first it was a little stuttery right when I first loaded in. Then I quickly that that stutter went
0: away and Wait, before you before you get there I'm sorry yeah. what was the setup process? How did how did what did you have to do to even oh. make that happen? Leave your Xbox on at home? How did Got that work? It.
1: So I I wrote a check to a million dollars and sent it to <laughs> Microsoft and it said please get me in this beta. No. Um so it is a public beta that I they're not backing all the way up, I emailed and I don't know how many invites went out, but it's rolling out. Um, After that, no, the setup, you don't have to own these games. It's not going through my Xbox. I think that is an eventual part of of xCloud, kind of the same way that you can do that on PlayStation right now. I forget what they call it, remote play or whatever that's kind of morphed into.
0: Turn your system into a server, basically,
1: right? But in this this instance, um, I think it's Halo 5, Gears 5, Sea of Thieves, or something else um
0: you don't have to say r after every time you say (laughs) (laughs)
1: um so in, in this you download the app onto your android device currently it's only on android and it's like the xbox game streaming beta app or whatever i downloaded the app i logged in with my xbox uh live credentials and from there was given the selection of games to play and i was like well gears 5 is the game I think is the most beautiful of these. So I wanted to...
0: And because it had your save in the cloud, you were able to pick up where you left. Yes.
1: I mean, all but instantly, right? Like it took a time to, to sync that. But yeah, my Xbox was not on at home. It wasn't... I didn't leave it in sleep mode or, you know, whatever. Like this was playing from some data server somewhere and pulled my save from the cloud. And when I first loaded in, it was a little hitchy right off the bat but then that quickly went away i i went into the open world areas of the game i went through a couple of um larger enemy encounters and i it, it's weird i i found and i was playing on a playstation controller because for whatever reason the xbox one controller i had kept dropping its connection with the pixel and i don't know if that's that's the problem with these types of services sometimes it's like is that the phone is it the controller is it the the cloud service but the playstation 4 controller held its connection which is it's just weird um and and i was just playing the game and there were moments even still playing on a on a pixel which is about it's a not the newest one not the 3a but the three not the four it's about the same screen size as the 11 not the the big one whatever those are called um or that 10S, whatever, screen size. And there were moments even there playing on that phone that I fell into the game. Like I was just playing Gears the way, you know, I I kind of forgot the setup and the, the, the futuristic version of this game that I'm playing. And I was just sitting there playing the game. There were other moments where I was trying to, you know, send my little robot off to do something and I was squinting and leaning close to see where I could get the X prompt to come up to to activate something to do something, or like pulling up the HUD or something like that was a little problematic. Like it wasn't the best way to play Gears 5. I wouldn't recommend this how you this is how people should play the game.
0: It was the best way to play it while you're at work yeah. and not a, I mean, in front of your Xbox. In a,
1: a very exciting way to play it that I think speaks to the future of kind of this interconnected cloud computing version of a game. I should say, um, I have very, very fast, uh, fi at, uh, my office. And so I, you know, there was no stuttering or problems there, but yeah, I mean, it was incredible. And I, I like that it's free. I feel like while Microsoft, and we didn't talk about this story, but Stadia's, controller is only wireless via chromecast at launch you're going to need to connect it to your computer to play versus your computer like while i'm very excited for stadia to come out very very or come out or founder edition i think there's something to be said about the way microsoft is doing this x cloud stuff and like being very upfront it's a beta they're not charging you anything kind of it's only on android right now but hook up any controller you can't do it only this selection of games and i think they're kind of proving out this concept in a way to get things i'm speculating here really on board for um the next gen xbox and and it's very exciting i i really enjoyed playing gears which is a game i enjoy and i think that says a lot about the service that i was very much enjoying it playing it on a phone um away from my console it's
0: incredible yeah future baby the future
2: yeah yeah i'm i'm really looking forward to that i'm so glad you like you say uh, you could actually get into the game and not really be like distracted by anything around you i think that's so cool and i really you know what you're saying i think microsoft is doing so much better job than just not keeping a low profile but not yelling everything <laughs> out right. so they can pull it back later like google is doing at the moment right so wow that sounds really nice
1: yeah uh, the other two will be quicker. Um, Mortal Kombat 11, I'm playing as a Terminator. I, I have the expensive edition of Mortal Kombat, so I have uh, all of those characters. I think he animates really well. It, I feel like the Terminator. I, I think I said this when Ninja Turtles came to Injustice. I get very greedy, and I wish that these DLC characters all had stories, like, you know, story modes behind them, because I think the flavor mm-hmm. they add to the game is so cool. I want more of it. And then, selfishly, the reason I went to play Terminator is because in a Blink and You Miss It cameo in the second Fatality, you'll see my name show up, which is, you know, it's so fun. I love these games. And that's, uh,
0: yeah, both of our names are in there. Well, ish. My name's is a little strange, but <laughs> for good reason. It, it,
1: yeah, uh, it's a real treat. It's a real treat. And I, I, I really like the character. I think he's fun in game, um, and he's like slow, powerful. Um, and, then, and then Fortnite, Fortnite got me. I went back for Chapter Two. I uh, updated it. I played it on Switch, and the new map. Um, this is not going to be the podcast where we break down the nuances of Fortnite Chapter Two, but I liked the boat. Um, I liked the water mechanics. I like being able to swim. The new map felt exciting, but yet still familiar in ways. And the thing that I think I noticed right off the bat is the way they're easing people back in. It feels like with bots and while I subconsciously knew that there had to be bots in my match, I won't lie and say that it didn't feel good to do really well. The first three games I played, like that's going back to our conversation about AI and data of like, yeah, I, yeah. I wanted to keep playing in a way that let the
0: rookie win, yes,
1: yes. And I wanted to keep playing in a way that I hadn't in a long time because I wouldn't do well, you know? And so it was that right amount of like, oh, this, hey, hey I'm, I'm doing all right. And it's bringing a single player experience of like gaming of like, you're the superhero <laughs> yeah. to these, these multiplayer games. And I, I'm curious to see how that progresses because I think that is the biggest thing to solve for these online games is matchmaking or making it rewarding across skill bands. And so far for me, I found Fortnite Chapter 2 um, rewarding.
0: While well, you're in the bots,
1: it's all good. It's the best. I'm dominating. Bots.
0: All right. Um, that's what we've been playing. Uh, I've been playing things that I'm not allowed to talk about, so I'm going to use my time here to talk what a about what a listener has been playing. Uh, if you want to send in a review or a mini discussion about a game that you have been playing please send it to dlcfeedback at gmail.com sometimes we don't get to all of the games there are gems that we haven't played or things that maybe we did play that you have a different take on we'd love to hear it you can send that to dlc at gmail.com this one Comes from
1: Kef Janata, who dis- <laughs> disregarded NDAs and said, My thoughts on the following a game called Seth
0: game. Dranding. Uh, <laughs> uh, this comes from Tyson Laundry. Tyson says, Hi guys, loved the episode with Victor Lucas. Uh, I've been out of gaming for several years after my cat used my old PS3 as a makeshift litter box. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Uh, was fortunate to pick up a PS4 Pro last Christmas, and I've been making up for lost time like crazy and started listening to DLC as my guide to what's new and happening in the gaming world. Hearing Victor Lucas was extra special, as he was my guide to gaming back in the day. I just happened to pick up Trine 1, 2, and 3 recently on a recommendation and love the discussion on Trine four. which brings me to my own recommendation unravel two if you want a gorgeous platforming puzzler this one is the best i've ever seen it is fascinating in the detail that is just out of focus in the background and what is in focus in the foreground is just beautiful beyond the visuals the puzzles are just the right level of challenging and so satisfying to complete and progress I was skeptical of the splitting joining mechanic of the yarn protagonist, but it really does work well. I did a quick Google search to see if you had discussed this game already, and I saw a mention of the first Unravel that the Spice Man was playing in 2016. Hold for Spice Man.
1: 2016 Spice Man wasn't as spicy, I don't think. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> uh, if you haven't read this sequel, I can't recommend it enough. Uh, thank you, Tyson. Christian, did you ever try Unravel 2?
1: Just for the briefest of time, then I believe, and uh, please, Tyson, let me know if I'm wrong. I believe it was like an E3 drop. And it was like, I still had, I I like played it and had it, and then something else came along. Because something else came out the the same E3, God, what was it? But the short answer is very little.
0: Yeah. Well, very cool. That's Unravel 2, recommended by Tyson, who sent it to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. All right, I have been playing some VR, as have we all. So let's do a little bit of VR talk. VR. VR. All right, uh, we've been playing some of those games in the headsets. My eyes are back to being able to be in a headset again, so I'm very Ooh. happy about that.
2: Ooh. Both of them? <laughs> what the, you had like the small thing on the one eye, right? Is that totally gone now?
0: Uh, not totally gone, but I, I have vision well enough. That I, can, I can, you know, have binaural vision. I, I guess binaural okay. is just audio, but whatever. You can you can on. sense three D. Yes, I am able to put the headset wow. on and have any problems, which is wonderful. Uh, so I've been back in the headset. Uh, but Simon, let's start with you. Have you played any VR lately?
2: Uh, yeah, I've I've actually dived back into Trove: Save the Universe. Um, I played that game like when it when it released, and but I didn't play it in VR. Actually, I don't know why. I think it was because it was just too big of a setup for the places in VR. Uh, but 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 I always wanted to go back and try it in VR. And and man, that's a fun game, and it still is. And it's and it's perhaps even more fun actually in VR. Um, I I actually think that you know I think you guys talked about it at some point that that uh, the current state of VR, what VR does really well, is when you are like a um, an omnipresent person looking down on what's happening, right? So. Yeah. And that's pretty much Trova safe to use. You're in this chair, and it's all uh, watching Trova running around. And I think that works so well, and it's it's it really gets me into the world, and it's still so much fun. And I, and I actually think that they it seems like they took so many different qualities from different VR games, like especially from um, uh, what's it called now, the robot thingy, Astrobot, Astrobot. Rescue Mission, right? Uh, they have it. It has some of the same. Uh, Way when Trova leaps across, uh, you know, uh, spaces and stuff like that, it's it's really funny and it works really well in VR. Perhaps even better than in the normal thing. And it has a sense of humor, which
0: is always fun to see in games too.
2: Yeah, it's it's extremely funny, and I've you know sometimes I've just I've just stopped and listened to uh, the Glorcons. I think the enemies are called the Glorcon clones, and uh, if you stand around long enough, sometimes you like to hear uh, Justin Roiland just break out laughing because apparently uh the whole uh the whole all the voices were actually not the ones that were meant to be in the game apparently he just went into a booth and just rappled uh, <laughs> for like 20 hours and then they put that in and then when they planned to go back and, and redo the whole thing but at some point they were just like nah we'll just keep this in and <laughs> and you can you can totally hear that and it actually makes it more fun that's
0: awesome well that's trover saves the universe and you're playing it on which headset the PSVR? Uh,
2: a PSVR, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, the...
0: that's perfectly fine. Yeah. Um, well, I want to talk a little bit about Asgard's Wrath, which is a game I have been highly anticipating. Um, it, it is from Sensaru Games. This is the same uh, studio that did the um, very, very underrated um, a VR sports challenge on Oculus. Um, and uh, that is a game that I always have to remind myself to recommend to people. I know it's an Oculus exclusive, so it's not easy for many people to go back and play it, but man, it, it it is so well done and so good. Anyway, Asgard's wrath is a full on 30 hour role playing game experience. Big, big, deep triple a story-based single-player role-playing game with action combat i mean this is the real deal in vr this is the kind of thing i've been waiting for since vr came on the scene Uh, we had little tastes of this kind of thing but this is the real deal and it is awesome i'm just scratching the surface of of this big deep experience but already i'm like this i might have to make room on my top five of the year for this game it is that good it's one of the best vr experiences i've ever played it's beautiful it is deep and engrossing the combat's thrilling and smartly executed there's really great ideas like you get these companions so you're it's very much a god of war type setting it's that same norse mythology of the rebooted God of War, uh, and you are this god. The game, one of the best things about VR in any game is a sense of scale, and this game makes use of it. I mean, the very first scene of this game is you are a titan, a giant god wading through the sea fighting a kraken who's throwing ships at you and you're smacking them out of the air. I mean, it, it does scale really, really well, but it also does that thing you were talking about, Simon, where... Um, At at certain points you can move from this first person hero mode where you're fighting and adventuring to a, a a God view where you're looking down on that same hero, that same adventure that you've been, and you're able to take in the whole environment from a macro perspective. Uh, Another game that did that was um, uh, Robinson, the journey, which did that really, really well. Uh, This game does it and it's, It's really cool. And as that god, you can also take creatures at certain points and turn them into followers that give you special abilities and can fight for you. So you have this like little companion uh, that does cool different things and you can make it fight and you can send it around and, and work on puzzles for you. So clever. So cool. The combat is awesome. You're throwing weapons and pulling them back to your hand just like you know kratos does in the new god of war just like thor does in the marvel movies it makes you feel like that except you're actually doing it because it's in vr i love this game i love this game i mean the first time you walk into a tavern in this game and it's got like a band playing with all these crazy creatures a a giant like uh, minotaur talking and this cool big creature working an anvil on the side and characters sitting at ta- at the table's talking it's it's a full triple A like you walk in like like what i want out of a skyrim or something like that it is that in vr but beautiful made for vr it's asgard's wrath man it's, it's a must play can i
2: ask you something can i ask you something cuz that to me it seems Is exactly what I want from a VR game, like uh, these RPG stuff, because then you can actually live in the world in a whole different way than you can without the VR, right? But but, but do you get – okay, and now, of course, you still have the eye thing, so maybe you're not the right person to ask. But um, (laughs) how long can you stay in that world? Because I often find that I can't stay that long in VR as I can without. But this seems like a world I would like to live in almost.
0: I guess I'm atypical because I don't really have that thing where I have to get out of it. Um, I, I, I played game. I played lone echo for hours and hours in, in VR and long stretches. So I, I don't tend to have that. I got to get out of here, especially with the second round of headsets that are more comfortable. Oh, which is what the thing I really need to tell you about right now, Christian, I played, this was an Oculus exclusive first party game. I loaded up my rift, my first gen rift, played this game for a little while in my rift And then I was like, man, wouldn't it be great if I could play this on my cool new, (laughs) you know, Valve, uh, what's it called? (laughs) Index. Index. (laughs) index. Wouldn't it be cool if I could play this on my Valve Index? And then I was like, well, maybe Revive. I don't know if Revive revive doesn't work with uh, Vader Immortal, so maybe it doesn't look. Oh, Revive does work with Asgard's (laughs) Wrath. (laughs) And I loaded it up through Revive on my Valve Index, night and day.
2: It wow. is wow. especially
0: because it was back to back. I was I had played a few hours uh, in the Rift, and I was like, "Oh, maybe this will work in the." So it was back to back. I literally like downloaded Revive, the new version of Revive, loaded it back up on Index, and bopped right back into that same you know right where my save game was. Oh my God. First of all, this is one of the most beautiful VR games ever. Secondly, the going from the like God rays and screen dooring to the higher resolution, no God rays pristine. I mean, it's still not perfect. Perfect. Like we still have one more iteration of these headsets to go to get really there, but man, it is a huge difference. And I was so grateful that revive, works because people who have, you know, Vives, who have indexes, I think even windows VR is supported on revive to some degree, not hundred percent sure on that, but man, it is awesome. And it makes it a game that more people can play and more people should be playing Asgard's wrath. Cause it's awesome.
1: That's cool. Yeah. I, I <laughs> as, as we've mentioned on the show, headsets being displays um, in terms of getting people into VR and what it can do it. Uh, I understand the need for exclusives and how that can sell devices, but I always like it when, because yeah, you have the best display. I'd be like, you got to come over and play Last of Us 2, but you can only play it on my 720p TV. Right. <laughs> you right. know, yeah. yeah.
2: And also because, like, usually, like, people have preferences. Like, if you use the widescreen monitor, right, when you play yeah, a lot of, games. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I mean that's an option you have, and I really think. Um, making the headsets like, as you say, like a, a, a device and not like a special thing that's tied to a special thing. It just makes it so much more easier to get into, also for for people who doesn't typically do VR. I think
0: the other thing that's cool about the Index is the the controllers. Uh, you know, I've mentioned before they have that that grip. Uh, that sort of senses your grip on on the handles. And it's not a button for the grip. It's actually just like squeezing your hand. Really interesting implementation because Revive is basically mapping one-to-one the Oculus Touch controllers to the Revive controllers, which you can do with Revive much better than you can do with the actual just HTC Vive because those controllers are so weird and wonky. They don't actually have sticks and you can't push the sticks in. So it's not a perfect one-to-one from the Oculus Touch whereas Index is a one-to-one. But the cool thing is on Oculus Touch, you pull those uh, sort of your middle finger button as the grip. They call them the grip button, but you, you usually use it with your middle finger. Uh, but it is a full trigger there at your middle finger, and you use that a lot in Asgard's Wrath to hold your shield, hold your sword, pick up items, grab things, pulled levers, all kinds of stuff. But because the Index has that grip button, or a grip sensor, really. It's not a button at all. It's a sensor. And it has the, the hand grip things that, that hold the controllers on your hand. It was the first time since I've gotten index that I found myself just relaxing my hands for most of the game and letting the, the controller just hang there attached to me via those, those grip pads And then when I actually wanted to pick something up, I literally just wrapped my fingers around the controller, not squeezing, just holding like you would touching something. And in the game, I would grab the thing. I'd grab my sword. I'd grab my shield. I'd grab a lever, whatever it was. And then when I wanted to let go of it, I just opened my hand and the controller didn't fall off of it, but I wasn't actually holding anything. That's cool. Very cool. Very very cool. It was the first time that I went, oh, this is why they made it that way. This is why they did that. It's for this. Yeah, that's cool. Christian, how about you? What do you got going on in VR?
1: So uh, for friends, I think it's going to come out on YouTube and I'll plug the link. They they do like silly VR games oftentimes where they'll be like, they'll download and play and record people playing VR games that have no user reviews, Um, just (laughs) like diving into that wild west of, of VR games that are available. Um, what we ended up playing were like baby simulator games. And I played a game called baby hands that I think is on PSVR. Um, I played it via steam. Um, less about the game and more about, I, this is my first time using the wireless vive mm. coming from Oculus quest. The, that wireless untethered experience was less mind blowing in terms of like, you know, I'm Pinocchio, no strings anymore. I'm i I'm a right. boy. Um, but playing a, because we dabbled around in some other stuff too, uh, that high fidelity or higher fidelity experience wirelessly, this was with the Audio Pro strap or whatever the Vive calls it and their wireless receiver. I was very impressed. It I, Again, I think it is maybe harder to recommend now in with the state of VR and transitioning between generations or whatever this is going to be and I noticed that HTC kind of hasn't made wireless standard in their pro headsets and and stuff like that, but having never experienced it, I was very, very impressed with how well it worked at least uh, in that setup. And then to the game a little bit, I I was expecting it just to be a, a whatever horrible little thing. I don't know if I can recommend it. I think it's 20 bucks, but I was surprised by just how, detailed it was in terms of what you could do it felt like it was maybe recreating the rugrats house like unofficially wink wink and then there was like all these little mini puzzles that were. it's like you i broke out of my baby pen and <laughs> then like Had to get a key that was in one of those like drop in different shapes things into a box that would unlock it. Like I stuck my head, I broke, you know, VR rules. I stuck my head in to see what was in it. I was like, oh, there's a key in there. I had to find the pieces like crawling like a baby to put them in, to get a key, to distract the cat, to do the thing. There's a bow and arrow minigame that like the physics were far better than they had any business being, again, far better experiences to play in vr and whenever this video comes out i I will link it via twitter but i was shocked i was shocked (laughs) at the depth of this game that had no business being as interesting as it was but more so impressed by the
0: wireless five very cool man that game again was called baby hands
1: baby hands
0: yeah (laughs) it is what it is (laughs) (laughs) awesome Um, All right. Well, before we wrap up this episode, which has been a a great one, um, I want to – we got an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com responding to one of our quick questions from last week. Um, And I I loved the tenor of this email, so I wanted to read it. Uh, Last week we talked about games that made us feel emotional, and we got this email from Ed WK who wrote, I liked hearing your response to the question about games that make you feel emotional. What remains of Edith Finch was a game that got me as well. It's also a game that I bought based on Jeff's recommendation and ended up ended up being one of my favorites of 2017. I wanted to give my answer to this question about emotions because I feel like a lot of responses to questions about emotional games involve games that make you feel sad or bittersweet. My answer to this question is a game that always makes me feel overwhelmingly joyful. The original Katamari Damacy on PS2 is a game that always makes me feel incredibly happy. The absurdity of the premise, the king's dialogue, and the silly animations of objects, animals, and people getting rolled into a ball always makes me laugh. I still love listening to the music from the game, even over a decade later. I also great have fond soundtrack. memories. Yeah, great Great
1: soundtrack. soundtrack.
0: I also have fond memories of playing the game in college. I was a college freshman in 2005 and the game became one of the most popular on our dorm. I think only one person on our floor actually owned the game, but it got passed so much because everyone wanted to play it. Anytime anyone played Katamari on their room with their door open, it always drew a crowd because the visuals and music in the game were unlike anything else that existed at the time. I got the remastered version when it came out on switch and recently played it with my daughter. Seeing her laugh as the prince rolled things up into a ball was a pretty incredible feeling. Thanks to all you guys do and keep up the good work. I love that email. I just thought that was great. He's right. Yeah. He's right. You know, when everybody says, what games make you feel emotional. We always go to those sad emotions, which is fine and wonderful for games to do, but it's great to think about positive, joyful emotions as well.
1: Yeah. I wasn't really listening, but I am shocked that Katamari <laughs> made Ed cry like that. Um... <laughs> Very cool.
0: All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But Simon, thank you so much for being here, sir. It's been a pleasure.
2: No, uh, the honor is mine. I'm really glad that we made this work, even though uh, we are nine hours apart. It was was very nice to be here. Thank you so much, guys.
0: Oh, it's absolutely our pleasure. It's wonderful getting your perspective on things and um, hearing from you as well. So where can people follow you and your work online?
2: Well, uh, if you uh, can read and understand Danish, of course you can uh, check out uh, all I write on uh, Politiken.dk. That's Politiken.dk, and otherwise you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Simon Roligard. I think you can you can find my name in the description, right? Um, yes, right. I'll, two Gs I'll put something and two up. As, right? <laughs> two Gs and two As. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, and I'm Twitter, and that's that's about it. I think at the moment.
0: Very cool. Christian Spicer, how about you? What do you got going on this week? It
1: rolls right into my parting gift. Nothing big or special to announce this week. Unfortunately, my week is consumed of, of, of a passive form of entertainment.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, um, you can always follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. And uh, Christian and I are doing uh, some other gaming-related stuff, right, Christian? We got this control pad uh thing going on you can find that by searching for ctrl pad on youtube or as an audio podcast uh we're doing it with some folks that are really i think might be familiar to some of you and uh it's a lot of fun it's a very interesting cool new way for us to talk about video games uh check it out ctrl pad right christian
1: Yes, Control-C, Control-F, Control-P-A-D. Is that... <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, Control-Pad. Um, also, the uh, Slash Filmcast. I do that with uh, the cool folks at Slash Film. You can find that at SlashFilmcast.com. And I'm can i doing before you, Before you to
1: the would... thing that is the best thing you've ever done, can I just say uh, Slash Film has been throwing some fire recently? You guys. Uh, I get Maybe it's this time of year. But, uh, it's uh, there, there's been some good episodes
2: yeah there it's really gone. has I have to I have to weigh in on that as well I'm, I agree with Christian it's it's Thank a you. very good show and especially lately yeah
0: well I appreciate that I appreciate that I just had dinner tonight uh, with Dave Chen who was in town in my town uh, and and uh, Peter Serretta, Um and it was lovely seeing him in person and I'm I, it's a joy to do that show and I appreciate you guys uh, listening and saying kind of things um we're having lots of fun and yeah it's a good time of year for games it's also a good time of year for movies we're getting to you know oscar season and lots of fun stuff to talk about so check that out sashomecast.com um but also yeah i'm doing the dungeon run which is my way of making something creative and narrative based i'm I'm telling a story i'm telling a fantasy story in the realm of dungeons and dragons Uh, i'm the dungeon master and get some awesome players I hope you check it out. It's available as a podcast if you search for The Dungeon Run. It's also available on YouTube if you search for The Dungeon Run. Or you can watch it live as we record it Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. Pacific by visiting caffeine.tv slash The Dungeon Run. All right, guys. Let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion. Simon, can you, uh, give some people something to do while they get through their week?
2: Yeah, I can definitely. Um, so, uh, it's also a podcast. It's called Myths and Legends. And what I love about this is, uh, it's a historian, uh, a guy who tells stories from folklore all around the world. And, um, and without some of all the sugar on top, you, you know, people are probably used to, you know, to get folklore from Disney, um, or other modern fairy tale interpreters, right? But, but, Oftentimes, they're really violent when you go back to like their origin. And, and personally, um, I, I, I've gotten to love the stories he tells from Slavic and Asian folklore, just because the way those stories are, are structured are so different from the way we traditionally construct narratives in, in Western culture. Um, so they are so awesome. I, I usually uh, listen to them um, if I have a hard time falling asleep. It's like an adult uh, fairy tale before bedtime. And um, there's a lot of episodes. If you don't know where to drop in, I I'll I'll will recommend uh, episode five, where an evil Russian magician, uh, just much like Voldemort from Harry Potter, divides his soul so he can't be killed. And that was apparently um, a, a big
0: thing back in the day in, in Russia.
2: It's, it's very fun, and he's very good at telling these uh, these
0: stories. Yeah, that's called myths and legends, and it is a podcast. We get it,
1: Simon. Cool. Disney's The Little Mermaid isn't the real Danish version. Jeez.
2: <laughs> exactly, Christian. No, they made her live, and I'm so I'm 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 mad about that. <laughs> she should be killed. She should be. I think it's called. She's being uh, dust on the waves. In the end, I still end. think
1: about that, that when I see Seafoam, That that is how it really ends. Yeah, that. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: yeah. Christian Spicer, what about you? Parting gift?
1: It's the World Series. I, I talk baseball, uh, you know, throughout the year kind of regularly, but this is another year where one of my beloved teams has made it back. I've been a spoiled boy, where in 2017, both of my teams made it. 2018, my current host city team made it. And this year, the Astros are back again. And I was thinking about, I think, Jeff, maybe what you said off, maybe it was on the show or offline, about how, like, you know, baseball is a little too slow for you. And I I understand that criticism. I think as I was watching the ALCS, part of what I love about baseball over something like football or basketball um, is I was trying to put it in a gaming perspective. And like baseball is maybe more PUBG and basketball or something like that is a little more Fortnite where there's something always going on. But baseball, there is tension in all of the moments in between, because there is, there is, you know, downtime where is the, is the shift on Where's this batter is the, they're bringing in a lefty or the righty or can they get this person to do that? And like, there are moments in between where of course, if you are a fan of a team, it makes it, you know, more stressful or emotional, but a friend that I didn't know watched or cared about sports texted me during game six of the alcs just like rooting for the astros with you and i was like stop it (laughs) you you don't watch sport i'm too stressed out i can't respond and it's like those nothing was happening on screen like if you walked by it's just you know people standing literally people standing and it was the most nerve-wracking thing for me uh you know in sports all year and i'm so excited that the astros have made it back to the world series it is game one on Tuesday night and it's going to be a battle of of aces here with incredible pitchers both on the Nationals and on the Astros and i i hope that it is an exciting season so if you're waiting you know to check out some baseball i hope it's a great uh, world series for everybody and go Astros
0: Very cool man i'm happy for you congrats on that that's that's great i i i always try to i like the world series i like playoff baseball ish when teams that I kind of care about are there, but I just am not a baseball guy. My beloved 49ers, however, are still undefeated. And and I'm happy about that six and oh, you're invited over Uh, Jeff for
1: any world series game, or maybe not as when Amanda came in, my wife, when I was watching game six, she, she just looks at me and goes, this is when we were winning, like before they gave up the lead and had to get it back. She looks at me and she goes like, are you okay? And I'm like, (laughs) this is how i watch my team win leave me alone
0: this is is my joy this is how i express it yeah Uh, we have a listener suggested parting gift this comes to us from kurt pringer 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 uh who kurt says uh my parting gift is to take your kids to a pumpkin patch it's a great way to spend some time outdoors and it is typically free to visit Many farms usually have other fun activities to enjoy, along with the pumpkin picking. For example, the farm we took our kids to had a giant inflatable pumpkin bounce house and a free petting zoo. They had a blast. And for those without kids, go to a pumpkin patch anyway. Buy a pumpkin, carve it into a jack-o'-lantern, and participate in a traditional Halloween activity. You can roast the pumpkin seeds and enjoy a nutritious snack while you're at it. Love the show and keep up the great work. Thanks, Kurt. Uh, That's fun, yeah pumpkins we're doing the pumpkin thing we we go to the patch we have a favorite patch yeah. uh around our place as well
2: you, you guys go to a specific place to do that it's so funny I, I just buy one and make it at home but i think that i don't know is that a thing in in the states that you go to a specific place where everyone goes
0: yeah the selection of the pumpkin is a big deal uh, ah, you go that's to so nice. Patch, walk around until one of the pumpkins speaks to you <laughs> in a very powerful way and then you look at how much it costs and you go, "Nope, not that one, something smaller.
1: <laughs> yeah, we do both. We do the yeah. grocery store pumpkin and then there's also a, a farm, air, you know, farm, quote air quote yeah. farm that does a big like fall fest thing that the kids love.
0: That's so Again, nice. It, it's wonderful. I love fall festivals. Uh, we don't have really have fall, but we have fall <laughs> festivals, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. Los Angeles. Um, again, if you want to have your parting gift on the show, send it to DLCfeedback at gmail.com. We appreciate that. The parting gift that I will bring up is um one of the shows that I have enjoyed on Amazon Prime Streaming is back with a third season. It's called Goliath, stars Billy Bob Thornton and a, a bunch of really wonderful character actors surrounding him. Uh, it's about a lawyer who takes down big, big like class action cases against Goliaths, these huge companies. And third season is all about California water rights, which is a really interesting topic. It is bonkers, man. It's like drug trippy and weird and off the rails in kind of wonderful ways. Third season, I mean, the show is just, it just takes really wonderful risks and and I I dig it. So check it out. Uh, I think the first and second season are well worth your time. If you haven't watched them, that's Goliath. It's on Amazon prime streaming. All right. That is going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Simon Roligard and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to all of the folks in our chat room for hanging out with us in real time. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for making those cool bumpers. Thank you to each and every one of you who hang out with us every week. Boy, we're grateful for that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We will be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.